Time for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation, conducted right here at world-famous World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason in Portland. I'm Tom D'Antoni, and with me today is someone you have heard, and if you pay attention, you've seen in almost every major venue in Oregon. You've seen her behind the soundboard, sliding pots, turning dials, punching buttons and screens. She makes the sound happen. Her name is Shira Ochis, and I'm not kidding when I say she's beloved among musicians because of her talents as a sound engineer. Her company, She Rock Sound, is always busy. From Storm Large to a Pink Floyd cover band, from world-famous jazz musicians in concert halls to dive bars. Meet Shira Ochis. Well, sure. Welcome to the cupping room. Well, hello. Hey, hi there. It's uh, uh, we 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 like this room. We like this place a lot. World oh, Cup they have coffee good food. and tea. They have good. They're good. They're good to us. Like the food. And um, good coffee. So, uh, who you been working with? Uh, actually, uh, Pigs on the Wing, <laughs> the Pink Floyd cover band. Really. Really. <laughs> they. I know that sounds odd for me, cover band, because I'm, I'm a purist and all that, but yeah. they're all actually really good musicians, a lot of fun to work with, yeah. and they play, the, they play the records and the music incredibly well. Really? Uh, and it's not exact, but it's very close. Huh. They put their own spin on it. <laughs> they put, a, put together a lighting show. Really? Yeah. They put together their own lighting show, and I'm doing sound for them now in a lot of venues, not all of them, but most of them, yeah. whenever they can get me. Mm-hmm. I think five or six shows coming up between now and the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pink Floyd covering my Well, I mean, it's Pink Floyd. Come on. How could I resist? How could you resist? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there isn't any Pink Floyd anymore. You, you know, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> and they were, I think they're. I think they're really good. Uh-huh. They're, you know, with the way they put their show together, and the lighting, and they have a following around Oregon and Washington. So people that come to see them specifically. You know, sometimes I think maybe I should go back and listen to Adam Hart Mother, Pink Floyd album. Oh yeah, I don't know that album. Because um, when it came out, I did about. 20 acid trips to it. <laughs> that was a that was the wall for me. Yeah. I did that but only a couple of acid trips Adam on the Hart wall. Mother, Adam Hart mother. And I used to watch the wall happen in the lights. I'd lay out in the backyard and watch the street lights and watch <laughs> the shadows create the wall. And hearing the music in my head. It was pretty cool. I'll bet. Yeah, I I always I may, maybe maybe if I if I play it because I still have the LP, you know. Maybe you can have a flashback. Maybe because I never had one and I always wanted. I one. I never had one either. I always wanted one. I figured, you know, you know, forty years ago, I'm thinking, well, you know, you know, when I'm old, I can just I can just have a have a little fast. It never happened. I was so disappointed. I know. Me too. I I had friends that disappeared on mushrooms <laughs> and acid and. <laughs> Had to go away to come get better and come back, and I never understood it. 
No. I guess it's because I have a really firm grip on reality. I don't know. Well, I always enjoyed my hallucinations. Oh, me too. You know, even, I knew even, they were, though. Even bad ones, yes. But right. I knew, the, I knew Ex- what they were. Exactly right. Yeah. I always knew. I yeah. was like, I watched yeah. my friend melt in front of me once, and right. I, I knew that it was a hallucination, yeah. that it wasn't really happening, but yeah. it was so cool. Yes. <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> Maybe that's why we never had flashbacks, because we have a very yeah. firm grip on reality. That's too bad. I know. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. So do you travel with them? I mean, are they... Yeah, are yeah they? I'm going to... Uh, we've got Olympia. We've got something in Seattle. Yeah. I get to I get to mix them at... Um, oh, God, why can't I think of the name of it? I have to look it up. It's a place that I've always wanted to mix somebody at. <laughs> And I've never gotten to, and it's a very popular, oh, I can't remember now. It might take me too long. That's okay. Um, so when you, when you do that, when you, when you, when you do it, do you have to, um, do they add all the electronics, or is that something that you do? Uh, electronics. Well, Pink Floyd, you know. Well, yeah, they they have they have their keyboard player yeah, that yeah. does has a lot of loops and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's basically a straightforward band: drums, bass, guitar, uh-huh. keyboards, yeah. and he does any loops that there are. And uh, they have a female background vocalist that just nails some of that high huh. stuff. And I get huh. to I get to play my instrument. Yeah. Which is the delay and the reverb with her voice. That's what I'm asking. Her yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, and on on the male voices, you know, I just do the minimal. Like they have, like Pink Floyd didn't do a lot on the male voices, except there are certain parts of songs, and I, I get to do those. <laughs> so, yes. The Knitting Factory. Oh, in New York? I No, in, in, in Spokane. Oh, oh, okay. But I've never gotten to mix in that place in Spokane, oh, and I've always wanted to go up there and mix in that place. Why? I don't know. A lot of people that I knew played there, and they never took me, and it pissed me off. Oh, jeez. A lot of people that I worked with jeez. would go up there and play. Huh. And I they never took me because there was always they had their own sound there. Oh. Well, it'll be off your bucket list. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'm still working with Storm occasionally. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah of course, we have her uh, holiday schedule. Uh, holiday. Uh, what does she call it? The Whatever it is. Yeah. The two-day event. I don't remember. <laughs> um, and so we're doing that, and yeah. there's a couple of things that, Is that at the up. Aladdin this year? Isn't it usually at the Aladdin? No, I think it's at Revolution Hall this year. Oh, cool. Cool. I don't yeah. know why, but... Yeah, I believe. Well, why not? I, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. Try yeah. a new venue. Sure. Nice seated venue, too. Uh-huh. 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 Good for her and a lot of her crowd. I think there's room for dancing up front. I'm not sure. Is that right? Yeah. Well, she must be fun to work with. <laughs> I've, ver- I've rarely met a nicer person. Yeah. And you know, all the musicians that, that I've ever talked to. She cares about everyone. Yeah. She has a lot of fun. Yeah. She's always got me laughing. Yeah. And she remembers stuff that you've done for her. Yeah. I, I, we, we did that when, when we started the, uh, the print magazine last year. We only, it lasted a year. It's okay. <laughs> um, but we put her on the cover, the first one. And, you know, she was just getting back into town. She had been on the road with that, the, 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 the new, her new record, mm-hmm. right? 
and um, she had a she was having she had a she had, she had a cold a terrible cold. She was having a knee operation, and her boyfriend had just gotten back into town from L.A., and she gave me an hour mm-hmm. at her apartment. Yep. You know, and and the, and the thing was, I haven't done anything on her for years, but I, I brought up something that she had said in a TV story because I did a TV story on her eons ago. I mean, you know, in the in the early two thousands, you know, when she was still doing the Dante's thing. It might right. have been the big. It was a, actually it was the first big TV story on her. Wow. And it was one of my favorite stories I ever did, right? But I asked her, I, 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 when we were doing this interview last, last year, I, I brought up something that she had said, and she remembered every word. <laughs> and yes. she, even, she even, like, sort of did, shook her head like, like, uh, she, uh, like she did in the interview. Yeah. I was amazed. Yeah. I was amazed. Um, She's a pretty remarkable human being. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What 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 is it that she, um what does she like in her in her salary enforcement? What 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 is her 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 what is she a stickler for? Uh well, she wants, you know, for the front of house. Yeah. She wants the music to be heard and the voice to be on top and yeah. the words to be understood. Yeah. Like most good singers would. Right. And for when I'm doing monitors for her, she, we keep the band really tight, so you can hear every everybody can hear each other. So the monitors don't have to be overpowering. So a little bit of piano and voice in her monitor, and mm-hmm. any backup singers <laughs> that might happen to be there. Uh-huh. Sometimes some acoustic guitar, depending on you know. But all the other stuff with the guitar, with the bass and drums and and guitar, uh-huh. we keep everything nice and close, so she can hear everything. Huh. Huh. And and how do you how do you get her? Um, front of the house. What do you do to, to get the front of the, her front of the house to what how, how she likes it? Uh, I just do what the music asks me to do. What do you mean? Well, you know, if James is playing in the background, he plays softer. Mm-hmm. If he needs to be heard, if it's a pronounced line, he plays harder. And mm-hmm. so the music asks to be mixed a certain way, mm-hmm. especially with really good bands. So uh, I just I listen to the music. I, I, I have my eyes closed a lot during really? the show because I'm listening. Wow. Uh, you know, or looking at the console, and uh, that's why it helps me to have somebody else doing monitors because I don't always see their uh-huh. cues uh-huh. Uh, because I'm so focused on the mix. You know, and there's certain songs she wants it to be really clean, and other songs she wants some nice reverb. And sometimes back in the olden days, she used to like a lot of delay. Is that not right? so much anymore. Huh. Not so much anymore. More of a clean, uh-huh. clean mix out front with just a little bit of reverb and, you know, my special touch where when you hold a note and pull the mic away, the voice hangs in the air. That's your special touch. Yeah. You're known for that. Yeah. Huh. When did that start? I don't know. Yeah. God, I don't know. I've been messing around with effects for 20 years. Huh. You know, about 20 years ago when I figured out what a delay unit did, I was uh-huh. messing around with that kind of stuff. And I remember I would do stuff, and then a year later someone an album would come out, and I'd go, that's my delay. That's what I do live. <laughs> and I would hear it on an album somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if they'd been doing it a lot, but it's just a natural progression for a sound engineer to figure out, because that's your instrument, to figure out how to yeah. use the, the effects yeah. Yeah. And, and things like that. So at least a good sound engineer. So you, you actually close your eyes. Oh yeah, I hit, I listen to everything. Yeah, especially a band I've never that, mixed. Yeah, I, I listen to what the music's giving me. You know the guitar parts, 
you know, the bass line and uh, depending on how they're playing. And, you know, that tells me sometimes people are like, wow, that band has never sounded that good. It's <laughs> because I'm paying attention to the music. And you can manipulate the board with your eyes closed. No, I have oh. to open my eyes to look at it. Okay. But there's times I mean, when I have all my fingers on the faders I want them on, and I yeah. can do that, yes. It's like Ray Charles. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, no. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know. No. <laughs> if I did ever lose my sight, I think I would still be able to mix. Yeah. Uh-huh. How did you get started in this? How does how does somebody get started? I mean, I understand how people can start as a musician because right. they they you know they they hear something on the radio or they hear you know and they pick up a guitar or a, or a piano well, in the house or something. I actually took guitar lessons. Did you? In uh, what is it? Junior high, tenth, eighth grade, ninth uh-huh. grade, and two weeks after taking guitar lessons, I broke both of my thumbs in vaulting. Oh, geez. I said, well, I guess I'm not supposed to play guitar. Wow. And when I was 16, someone introduced me to the soundboard. Of course, I was underage in a bar where I shouldn't have been. <laughs> and I was 16, but I was an old 16. Yeah. And the sound guy to this band, traveling band, I was, I was, he, he said, you want to learn something? I said, yeah. And he showed me the soundboard, and he showed me what the faders did and how he could manipulate the sound, and I was fascinated. Really? Fascinated with huh. it. Huh. And I was like, huh. well, I've always wanted to be involved with music. Uh-huh. And apparently I'm not supposed to play an instrument because the world, you know, life in general was telling me not to when I broke both my thumbs. Yeah. And um, so we actually, me and my friend actually followed that band from, <laughs> and they were just a cover band too back then, but, you know, where were we on? Yeah. From Napa Valley all the way down to L.A. Uh-huh. And I ended up staying in Santa Barbara and learning more about sound and just becoming a sound engineer after that. Did he let you manipulate the board no, at all? No, no, he just showed me. He, he didn't let you slide the pots nope, or anything? No, he just showed me. Wow. He just showed me what it would do, and it was... Didn't you want to? Something clicked in my head. No, I didn't want to, but I knew that something just clicked. Huh. <laughs> and I remember being in Santa Barbara, I think, telling people, yeah, I'm a sound engineer, and someone took a chance on me huh. and gave me a job. And then uh-huh. I got to this bar called Rockies on the on the down on the beach uh-huh. where my sister worked as a chef and the band said well okay why don't you come mix us so <laughs> I went down and I had been learning I'd been playing around with soundboards so I knew yeah. kind of what everything did and so mm-hmm. I went down there and I said look I got to be honest with you I don't know how to hook any of this stuff up because they brought all their own sound equipment into this bar yeah I said but I know how to make it sound good and they said okay <laughs> so in exchange we'll teach you how to hook it up uh-huh. and you can mix us. And so they kind of taught me a little bit about hooking it up. I still had no idea what I was doing. I was pushing faders and turning knobs and figuring it out. Then uh, a band called Raw Silk. They were an amazing, amazing vocalist jazz band and um, a little bit of rock and roll. They were just, they were incredible. And I kept telling them, I'm a sound engineer. You need a sound engineer because they would sit, they were playing at the Red Lion and they'd set the board up on stage and try to mix it themselves. Oh. And I just kept telling them, you need a sound engineer, even though I, I, I still wasn't quite sure what I was doing. Yeah. So Leslie took a chance. She said, all right. And she bought a snake and we put the board out front uh-huh. and then she realized I really didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> instead of discouraging me yeah. 
she paid a sound engineer that she knows, a very well-known sound engineer apparently down in, in uh, Santa Barbara at the time. Uh -huh. She paid him like 200 bucks a week for two weeks to teach me. Jeez. And didn't tell me about it. Wow. He just showed up, said one day, he just showed up one day and said, I'm going to help you learn how to do this. And I said, okay. And I didn't know about it until way later that she actually paid him to teach me. Jeez. So I kind of owe my career to Leslie Limbo and, wow. and Rosie, the sound engineer. He was, he was amazing. Jeez, what a great thing to do. Yeah, she was incredible. Well, she she must, still is. She must have seen something in you that, that told her that it was the right thing. You know? I was passionate. Yeah. But most 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds are. Yeah. Here we have sound effects. Sound effects, yay. Uh, because we are, in fact, in a coffee shop yes. in the copying room. You can't reproduce that kind of sound effect live, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do that on my mixing console, no. And coffee must be ground. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. So, um, uh and you were loving every minute of this, weren't you? Oh, yeah. You? Yeah. I was just a passionate young person. <laughs> Very passionate about it. And, you know, I knew I'd always wanted to be involved in the music business, but I didn't know how, you know, with the yeah, failed yeah. guitar lessons. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, my brother-in-law used to play bass, and that's where I learned my love of bass. You know, my tattoo, low end, makes the world go round <laughs> with the around bass your club. Wrist. That's yeah. great. <laughs> it's around my wrist, and but it's not go around; it's go round. Round, yes. yes. And uh, bass players love that, but that's where I I got my love of low end and bass uh -huh. was from my brother-in-law. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was just still impassionate. Yeah, that's I'm kind of jaded now. No, been in the business a long how time. Be, just a little bit. How can anybody be jaded in the music business? Bit, really, lot. that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> what could make you feel that way? <laughs> <laughs> but I've learned a lot, and I still learn stuff, especially now in the digital age. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I always swore I would hate a digital. Hate digital. Digital sucks. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Guess what? I own a digital console now. Right. And, and you, don't, you don't hate it. I have to tell you something yeah, yeah. that I realized as soon as I got that digital console. I mean, there's still certain things I don't like about it, but I'm learning how to use it and how uh -huh. to deal with it and, yeah. and use it to the to the best that it can be used, like digital yeah. compression and gates. Yeah. Yeah, I can always hear that stuff. Uh -huh. I like capacitors and resistors. And <laughs> if, I re if it's you know, a big venue where I really care about it, I can always insert the analog stuff. <laughs> but 20 years ago, I used to have physical dreams about being able to stand in the audience and mix the band and hear what they were hearing and make it sound good for the audience. <laughs> Like real manifestation dreams. Really? I'd wake up wow. and I called them sound mirrors <laughs> because I'd be in the audience and people would have their, and I'd be at the board and it sounded great. And I'd be in the audience and people would have their fingers in their ears and I couldn't figure out how to fix it uh -huh. without running back and forth. Yeah. Guess what? 20 what? years later with the digital, I get to sit in the audience and mix for the audience. Ah. It's amazing. I get to hear what the audience is hearing. So wow. it's like dreams really do come true. <laughs> it took 20 years, but with the digital, uh -huh. dreams really do come true. Wow. Wow. That's it's great. amazing, huh? Do you remember uh, the first time you were able to do that? Just this, yeah. Just this last year. Who, who, who? Stu, with his Stu Dodge sound. Uh -huh. Yeah. He had the X32 and... 
He said, you need to learn this. This is where everybody's going. Mm -hmm. And I know that I should have learned it five years ago yeah. when it first came out, but right. I was reluctant. Right. I was, Stubborn. I'm analog, yes. I'm analog. Yes. But just this last year, he says, you need to learn this. And so uh, Scott Peterson came over mm -hmm. to my house and Stu actually paid him for his time, which he didn't need to do, but mm -hmm. he did because he really wanted me to learn this. Uh -huh. And he sat down and taught me the basics. And then I just took it from there. And now everybody's amazed at how quick, and I'm learning things about the consoles that these guys that have been working on it for a few years don't even know. <laughs> so what, what, what was the gig the first time you, you were able to do that and, and, and hear what the audience was hearing? Do you remember? Hmm. Because it must have been a, a, a pretty amazing experience for you to actually, to, to, actually, to sit there and, and have your dream come true. Right. Um, to tell you the truth, with Stu's stuff, I hadn't learned the tablet yet, so I was always using yeah. the digital console uh -huh. out in the audience with a snake. Uh -huh. And um, I was working with the lowest sound uh -huh. at Kruger Farm uh -huh. just recently. Yeah. And... Um, my digital console was on order and I hadn't received it yet. <laughs> and uh, he had a little 16 channel digital mm -hmm. and we took my little chair and sat it out in the middle of the audience and I did all the sound checking and all that. Oh no, okay. That was the second time. The first time was at Jimmy Max. Ah. I, I remember now that was what made me buy, want to buy the console. I actually, well, <laughs> I didn't actually buy it. Aloha Sound. Yeah. yeah offered to buy one and let me pay, make payments on and it. And who which, was that for? Uh, that was um, Toke Libra. No, they're not that anymore. So oh, Sabra. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The Pablo, Pablo and, and... Pablo, uh, yeah, yeah, the Rubberneck guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did sound for them at That's a nice band. Jimmy Max. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. They're incredible musicians. Always have been. Yeah. And I yeah. love their music. Yeah. But... Um, I set the console up and I went down and I have the program on my phone mm -hmm. so I could do so to plug in the tablet mm -hmm. and charge it so I did all the monitors and everything on the phone and mm -hmm. then got the tablet out for the show and I just wherever there was an empty seat in the audience I'd go ask people if I could sit with them and I sat with them and JD and yeah they, who is very very jaded <laughs> he hears a lot of music in there came to me and he said, that's the best this room has sounded in years. Wow. And I said, yeah, because I got to sit in the audience and hear what they were hearing. Yeah, yeah. It made all the difference in the world in that room. That's amazing. And that's when I was just like, I have to own one of these. I have to be able to do this all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll wow. get used to the compressors, the digital compression. Uh -huh. I'll get used to, I'll figure out how to use the gates so I don't hear them, uh, you know, just lightly gate things. And I'll figure it out because... This is an amazing experience. I have to be able to do this. <laughs> Sit in the audience and mix. Mm -hmm. wow. So, <laughs> and it, to me, even it was the best Jimmy Max had ever sounded because I'm always stuck up there in that crow's nest, right? Where you hear the low end because you hear everything like the snare really loud because you're up there and it right. sound travels up there. And then yeah. when I got down into the room, I was like, wow, you can barely hear the snare down here. You uh -huh. can barely, you know, the bass isn't as yeah. big down here as it is up there. Yeah. And so I got to make those adjustments, and it was just—it was awe. It was awe. It was inspiring. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Inspired me enough to buy one. 
Jeez. want one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the night I even said, I've always wanted to do that. I was telling those guys, I've always wanted to sit in the audience and hear what they were hearing in uh -huh. any venue. The Wonder Ballroom especially. I would love to be able to do that in the Wonder Ballroom. Yeah. Because back where you are against the wall, it usually sounds pretty good back there. But if you could be 10 feet in and in the audience uh -huh. and even check every 10 feet to hear what the difference is when the room is full, that would be amazing to me. I've never been able to do that there. <laughs> so, Yeah. You hear things that people, other people don't hear. Don't oh, yeah. They? I do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, proven, I was doing a gig in Sandy, and uh, I was hearing my, my horns and my PA cut out, but <laughs> the audience had no idea. Uh-huh. And I, it was just a little, it was just the top, top in, 8K and above, uh -huh. all, the, all the pretty, pretty stuff yeah. for cymbals and the sibilance and the vocals uh -huh. and whatnot. And it was only when the band went really hard, and I figured out later that the crossover points had gotten bumped and the high was turned way up, and that's why it was cutting out, because it was overdriving the horns. But I was the only one that heard it. I even <laughs> asked the people that I work with up in Sandy, and they were like, oh my god, it sounded amazing. <laughs> and I looked at Jason, the guy that works with me, and I said, are we the only ones that are hearing this right now? And he goes, you're, you're, you know, you're probably right. We're probably the only ones that are that into, uh, tuned in to hear yeah. what, what's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how is that going to... Um, ha has Storm heard you with this new board? I mean, with, 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 the, with, with the digital yet? Uh, I don't know, no. That's going to be interesting. It will be interesting. Yeah. Uh, it'd be fun to sit in the middle of the Aladdin with my pad. Yeah. And hear what that. I mean, the, the Aladdin's pretty cool. Yeah. That way, but it, it's pretty even. So even when I'm mixing yeah. in the Aladdin, I can pre pretty much tell what it's going to sound like, except yeah. for in the balcony, which it always sounds better in the balcony. Huh. Yeah. Um, Revolution yep. Hall will be interesting. They yeah. have a Midas console there, but I don't know if it's wireless. Um, so I might not be able to do it there, but it's sitting mm. in the middle of the audience there. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, you, you, do you, have you done any, any work with Liv Warfield lately? No, she moved. I know. And, um, she's been busy and yeah. she had to go on her own path. And I told her when yeah. we first started working together, I said that uh, eventually the music business is going to make you make some hard decisions. Just know that no matter what yeah. those decisions are, I will always support you. Good. Because I knew that she, that she wouldn't be able to take me at a certain point yeah. because of suits. Right. People in the music business wanting to do things their way. Yeah. And in order for her to get to a position where she can do things her way, she would have to do what she needed to do. Yeah. So, no, I haven't got a chance to work with her lately. And I missed her at the Blues Festival because I was working. Uh, but I'm hoping, wait, was the 27th she yes, said she'd be I, down there? I think that's true, yeah. At, at, uh, the Paps. 27th is on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's a, it's, she's playing the Paps. Wait, that's thing. December. Yeah. I was looking at December. August 27th. Oh, it's Saturday. Oh. I'm in Sandy doing oh, a PA well. gig, so I'm going to miss that one, too. Oh, too bad. I know. I love her. I just want to hug her. I, I haven't I, seen her in, a, in, a, in, a, in six months, maybe. I got a hug at the Blues Festival. Aw. Which is nice. 
Um, now, where was she in her career when you started working with her? Very beginning. With, with uh, uh, Porter. Joey Porter? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We what? met. I did a gig. Uh, I don't remember where. That's when I met her. Yeah. We yeah. did a gig uh, somewhere outside of Portland. I can't remember where. And she was just this woman that came up on stage and just belted. And I was just like blown yeah. away. And I guess she could hear the sound and she was blown away too. Three or four months later, I don't remember how long it was. I'm terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible with remembering time frames. Must have been that knock on the head I got when I was a teenager. <laughs> but I, uh, next week, if you ask me when we did this interview, I'll say, was it? I don't remember. You know, I'm just terrible at remembering time frames. But it was a time later, not too much later, yeah. not a year or anything like that. Yeah. Three to six months, maybe. She, she was playing at the Fez with her new band. Yeah. And Joey Porter, I think, was still there. I don't remember. Yeah. And uh, was that was that band called Silky? Was was that Silky? Yeah, or was that after I think Silky? so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and um, I mixed her there and recorded yeah. it on tape and gave it to her, <laughs> and she loved it and it was great. And then it yeah. was a few months later. She was maybe six months. I don't remember how long. She was playing at the Doug Fir, and I happened to be the house guy that night. Uh-huh. And she walked in, and she saw me, and she went, She-ra! She ran <laughs> full speed across the room and tackled me, and we <laughs> fell backwards. And she was so excited to see me. And after that, because I guess, I don't know, I guess I had impressed her. We worked together ever since after that. So yeah. it was pretty much at the beginning yeah, yeah. that I started working with her. Yeah, I remember she used to, the first time I saw her was at Jimmy Max with Joy Porter and she was she would sit on stage on a bar stool wearing a running outfit. <laughs> Remember those days? She was not she was not glamorous. No, she was she was she's always She was brilliant, but she yeah. was not glamorous. Yeah. She's getting glamorous now. She got glamorous after Gretchen after she started hanging with Gret with Gretchen. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I remember uh, uh, she, uh, her telling me that uh, Gretchen put that outfit together for her when she when she first sang with Prince on um, Jay Leno. Oh, yeah. And she took it to New, to New York with her, you know, and, he, and, and Prince just looked at it and went, yeah, okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, you know, I guess we're still all worried about her. Well, yeah, yeah. Um. I sent her my love. Yeah. We do communicate every once in a while through text, but she's really yeah. busy. Right. And I sent her my love, and I'm sure a lot of people have, but she's booking stuff, and she's she's moving on. So I'm just hoping that the support is still there from his people, that yeah. the, all the connections that she's made to keep her right. keep her going, because right. she, she deserves it. Yeah. She really does. She's one of the hardest working people in, in the business that I've yeah seen in a very long time she had a lot of her old band at the blues festival yeah that was tyrone and Cyrita was there and yeah all those, all those people yeah i bet that was amazing tony ozier was there ah, i love tony <laughs> um so um what kind of music do you like all kinds yeah. of music i guess you would have to yeah otherwise it would just become a job yeah no i I, you know, back before I was a sound engineer, I would have different, when I was studying in school, mm -hmm. I'd have different kinds of music for different subjects. 
<laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember what they all were, but yeah. like I had, you know, I liked my my uh, orchestra string music stuff for one subject. I can't remember what it was. And I liked my <laughs> rock and roll for another one, and you know, uh, I came into the business mixing jazz and Did incredible yeah. singers, yeah. 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 and then moved into folk music after that. So I've done everything. I mean. In Santa Barbara, as a sound engineer, I've I've mixed uh, the fiesta, the dancers, the mm-hmm. la- the Latin, uh, I don't, Latin music. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and on the way up to a fifty-piece orchestra, <laughs> so I got quite a wide variety early. And yeah. my dad always had a wide taste of music. Fleetwood Mac was my favorite band growing up, and Olivia Newton-John. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, my, I used to sit and sing at the top of my lungs, and my mom would make me do it in front of all her friends. <laughs> I don't know how, because I can't carry a tune to save Did my life now. she make you sing now. physical? No. Fluid Mac stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, I can't carry a tune to save my life now. <laughs> I can't hear my own voice inside my head, like a lot of singers oh. do. Even wow. when I do that, it just... Huh. It's it's a monotone. It's not. I don't hear the tones. That's weird. But it is weird. But it's weird for you, for you not to hear something. Well, yeah, and yeah. I. But I hear frequency in the world. That's what my brain focuses on. Yeah. Have you had your hearing tested to see if there's, if there's not something? Not last five years, but yeah. five or six years ago, a good friend of mine uh, became an audiologist, uh-huh. and she tested me, and uh, I had above average hearing, even after 25 years in the business. Wow. Amazing. Above average hearing. Amazing. <laughs> I still had my high end. Yeah. So, and I did a lot of really loud rock concerts. Yeah. <laughs> rock and metal and really loud music in my early career. And I'm surprised my hearing is as good as it is. I, 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 I don't know that you know the answer and, and probably I don't expect you to, but I wonder, I just, it occurs to me, I just wonder if it's a, if it's a, 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 a physical ear function or a brain function that gives you this talent. It would have to be a combination, I think. Yeah. Because you'd have to yeah. be able to hear it, but you'd have to know, be able to know what to do with it yeah, once yeah. you hear it. Yeah. yeah. It's huh. it's almost instinct to me on mm-hmm. a lot of things. Uh, I mean, even I, I I have bad days, and and there's uh-huh. feedback that I can't nail, and I don't know why, and but that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. N- not very often. And what I did notice one time, and I started paying attention to this but when it's a full moon and it's a harvest moon or a moon that's closer to the earth yeah i have more sound problems wow and i think that i'm making this up i think but i think the (laughs) magnetic pull of the moon changes Uh the way frequencies you know it changes the way sound travels through the air and frequencies and and whatnot it just like it changes you know your water flow and whatnot the way it affects Uh the the moon affects the earth and different things i think it affects sound too but i did start noticing that early in my career that (laughs) when it was a full moon and especially when it was a closer moon to the earth which i think is called the harvest moon Uh or somewhere around those months that um, I had more sound problems and different frequencies would feed back than normal and Mm -hmm. and i would have more technical problems than I normally would have and wow. <laughs> I don't know maybe I'm making it up maybe maybe not maybe not maybe not <laughs> um, I saw, I'll never forget I saw you in action um, 
at, at the, the Portland Was I Jazz, scary? The Portland, no, you weren't. Some people say I'm, I'm, they're scared of me when they first meet me because really? I'm so intense You are intense. focused. Well, you are intense and yeah. focused. But, but uh, in this case, it, it was a good thing because it was at the Portland Jazz Festival. And I was supposed to do, do the jazz conversation with members of the Mingus Big Band earlier that afternoon. They go, that didn't happen. They go, oh, they're snowed in. They think they can get out for the concert, but they're not going to make. They're not going to make the uh, the jazz conversation. Okay, so I, I call up David Friesen. I call up Sam Howard and some other guys, and threw something together. And then, okay, that 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 was okay. And then it's like, will they make it? Will they make it? And they made it. And you had to do their set with no sound check. Yep. How did, what's your end of that story? When did you find out that, that this was this was happening? Oh well, you know. They told you when during they, the day, when they right? didn't make it for the sound check. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really not that hard, except for you know what they want in the monitors, and if you can get someone to call us, then we can get them a basic setting, yeah. which for a big band they don't want much. They need the piano. And the back horn players want to hear the front horn players, and the front horn players want to hear the back horn players a little bit. So it was it was scary, you know. I had to sh- I was shaking a little really? bit. Really? Wow. Um, but I knew the system, I knew the room, uh-huh. and I know big band. Uh-huh. So uh, that was at the Schnitz. Yeah. At the big room. Yeah, yeah. I love that room, especially for that kind of music. Really? Why? Oh, because it's just acoustically beautiful. Huh. That's what made it easy. This happened to me one other time in my career, which I'll tell you about mm-hmm. after I finish this story. But um, uh, so I knew what to do. You know, it's like I already had drum settings for the for the drum the uh, drum kit that was on stage. Mm-hmm. All I had to do was start with them a little bit low mm-hmm. because I didn't know how this drummer was going to play, how hard he was going to hit. Because mm-hmm. a drum kit, the same exact drum kit, can sound different from player to player depending on how hard or how soft and how they hit their drums. So, yeah. um, and they had that kid. Yeah, the kid. He hit really hard. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> he also hit really soft. Oh. He was very dynamic. He was very, <laughs> yeah, very dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already had the piano settings, and bass I'm not too worried about because uh, there's a, an amp on stage, so I can get a level and bring it up pretty quick, especially analog. That's, mm-hmm. This is when I like analog. Yeah. It's when there's no sound check, and, and you, you can just reach up and do things real quick where you can't on a digital. You have to page through things. Uh. Um, and it was a big band. So we put out all the mics. I knew what they were. I knew what the kind of instrument they were. Uh-huh. I pre-EQ'd the mics for those things. Uh-huh. I started with all those mics low, and I let the room. I let them come out uh-huh. and let the room, and I just reinforced the band as needed for the room. Huh. That's why it was easy. Huh. You know, I just had all those mics pretty even and low in the mix. Uh-huh. Because that room is such a beautifully sounding room that you don't really need to mix it loud. Uh-huh. The room reinforces it itself, and you just add what's needed. Uh-huh. Like when the drummer's hitting hard, you take the drums out. When he's hitting soft, you put them back in. And all I use in that room is, is a kick and overheads. Huh. I don't use any other mics. I put the overheads behind the drummer uh-huh. like his ears, so we're hearing the kit how he's hearing it. Uh-huh. And so when they're going hard... I turn him, turn him down, and when he's playing soft, I bring him up just so that we can hear, you know, throughout the the whole room. So that's that. I wasn't really that nervous because I'd done things like that before. Yeah. 
It was the jazz festival, so that's what made me nervous, I think. Uh-huh, yeah, and it was yeah. Mingus, and that's right. what made me nervous. But right. <laughs> I was still confident that it would be okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was. <laughs> that's what that's what a lot of people said. They couldn't believe that yeah. from the first note it was a perfect mix. Right. How do you deal with people? How do you deal with musicians who don't know as much as you do? <laughs> and might have the wrong idea. I uh, just calmly <laughs> positively uh-huh. uh, and if they insist on something that you know makes it sound bad you do it because that's how they want to sound yeah. yeah I've done that before I'm sure you have <laughs> mixed bands and, and even and okay so they're on stage and they think they can hear the mains and they want it a certain way so I yeah. give it to them and then sometimes once things get going, I'll fix it, and they don't notice because they're so in the moment. <laughs> Other times, this is precisely, they actually want this because they come out in the audience, and this is how they want it to sound. I right. don't agree with it, but it's yeah. their music, right. and they want it represented a certain way, so I represent it the way they want it to be represented. Yeah. Shoegazer music, buried vocals, I, you know, I don't understand a lot <laughs> of it, but that's how they want it, yeah. and so that's how I mix it. The other story I was going to tell you about was uh, the Cherry Pop and Daddies. Uh-huh. Their bus broke down. Was this back in the La Luna days? Oh, jeez. Their bus broke down, and they're a pretty big band, you know. La horn, the horn, full horn section, drums, uh-huh. bass, guitar, lead singer, and uh, their bus broke down. So we did the opening band, mm-hmm. and we met, let them play longer, and then <laughs> got them off, and then we set the stage for them because we knew, you know, Pete Horn was doing monitors. And we knew what the band setup was. So we got it all set. He told me what mics he was using where. I pre-EQ'd stuff. Mm-hmm. Pulled up a mix because I knew the room. Never mixed the band before, but heard the music. <laughs> they arrived, walked off the bus, walked on stage, started playing. From the first note, BB was doing lights. He looked over at me and went... <laughs> From the first note, it was like almost a perfect mix. I have no idea how I did it. He, BB looked over at me with his mouth open like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> but it sounds good. <laughs> Sometimes it's just pure instinct. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what happens. Yep. You know, I have to have, what happens with musicians, with I writers, with everybody with, who's, with who's watching creative. the Olympics. Yeah. With yeah. our athletes, pure instinct. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for stopping by. Well, you're welcome. It's been great. It's always nice to see you. You too. And yeah, talk about friends that we like. Yes. <laughs> and we miss. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't I, you know, we got to say something about Lisa Lapine. <sighs> Lisa Lapine, my you know, favorite you know, person in the whole wide she's world. She's responsible for so many, so many careers. She's helped me a lot throughout my career. Me too. I wouldn't have one if it, wasn't, it hadn't been for her. I wouldn't know some of the people that yeah. I know if it wasn't for her. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't tell you who those people are to, to tell you the truth because the, all those connections were made so long ago. Yeah. But um, I know that maybe even Tracy Grammer and Dave Carter, I would have probably never met the way I did without right. her and the Daisy Chain. And, right. Um, I would not have had a career in this town if it hadn't been for her. Really? Yeah. I moved here in 97. I started writing for the Oregonian and, did a, and was doing a radio show on 
a talk radio station, whatever 860 AM was back then. And she started turning me on to, to musicians ah. and feeding me stories and never stopped. Brilliant. Never stopped. You know? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I still get tears in my eyes every once in a while when I think about her. Yeah. It's a shame. And little things pop up and I go, oh. Right. I find something that she gave me. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. have a lot of trinkets from her over the years. Of course. Just thoughtful things, books yeah. for me to write my thoughts in. Yep. Just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Julie Jockums, who was also very close to her, picked up her her um, queen diamond pin. Uh-huh. It's like the Q is red and the rest is... I'm not sure if they're, they're probably fake diamonds. It's probably yeah. just, you know, right. costume jewelry. But yeah. she's like, out of all the people that knew Lisa, I think you deserve to have this. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. And it just, yeah. so now I carry it with me everywhere. It's on my bag. Yeah, she left me a, a, a Ron Rogers painting of Thelonious Monk. Nice. Yeah, well, she she knew. Yep. You know. She knew us. She knew yeah. her friends. Yeah, yeah. And she knew how to take care of us. All right. Well... So anyway, thanks for thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. I don't want to end this on a downer note, but that's okay. Oh no, it's uh, not a down note. Yeah. It's Lisa has inspired so many people that it's yeah. it's it's a she's had an amazing and we'll life continue and it to. is a good She'll yeah. continue to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have fun the rest of the summer and have well, a uh, have a, you know, just uh, have many gigs. I hope so. And I know you're going to have fun with this new board. Oh, yeah. I already oh, am. Yeah, yeah. I already yeah. am. Yeah. Sitting Great. in the audience in Sandy is just amazing. A dream come true. Yes, it is. All right. Literally. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.